Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here and your host with this Let's Ride podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning is when I deliver the goods about the black and gold, everyone's favorite team. I guess maybe there's someone listening to this that is not a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think you found the wrong podcast, if that's the case, but nonetheless, everyone here, my ride-or-die crew, as loyal as ever, it's the dog days of summer, doesn't matter, they're always here, and I love you for that. Let's get into always what we talk about at the very beginning of the show. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Have some great content coming up this week, so make sure you check it out. Also on our podcast side, wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. We have some great, great podcasts, not just in our morning lineup. We have, obviously, my Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride show, the live mic on Tuesday, the Steelers Stat Geek on Thursday, and in the PM, Monday's the Hangover, Tuesday's the Scobro show, Wednesday's the Curtain Call, Thursday's the Preview, Friday with Tony, Saturday's the Touchdown Under, Sunday's 2 a.m., and we are expanding our platform during the season. We're going to give you more information on that in the coming weeks, but I have to be honest, I love to tell stories if you haven't figured that out yet, and I want to tell you how I kind of thought of this, and it's going to be a little a little side rant, we'll put it that way. So I, 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 I've always loved cutting grass, uh, whether you call it mowing the yard, cutting grass, it doesn't matter, it's the same thing. When I was a kid, probably about 10 years old, maybe 11, is when my dad taught me how to cut grass, and we, my brother and I, who's three years older than me, 
we were tasked with keeping the grass cut. Uh, and my dad probably did that so that he didn't have to do it. <laughs> I get it. I understand that now as a father of five. And I would cut. I just love the way the yard looked when it was freshly cut and it was neat. And I also am a golfer and a baseball fan. And so when you're a golfer and a baseball fan, you always see the designs on the course or on the field. It just looks so nice. It just is awesome. I love the way it looks. And I really got in. I love cutting grass. I was, I'd cut a couple people's yard in the neighborhood for money. I would cut my grandmother's grass for money. Uh, people from church, I would cut there. I, and I still, to this day, I cut two other lawns, and I'm 38 years old, cut two other lawns uh, for money uh, just because they, they need someone to do it. I like doing it still, which is a quick side rant. If you're a parent and you have a child that's of age to be able to cut grass, I don't care what gender they are. If you haven't taught them how to do it yet, you're giving it's a big disservice to your child. Teach them how to cut the grass. Let them go out there and go to neighbors' houses and say, uh, "If you, I'll cut your grass for you for money." It's a good way for them to make money. It's a good way for them to earn their money. Uh, I had to cut the grass to get my allowance. So I'm 38 years old. I'm cutting the grass, and I'm thinking first. My first thought is, "Where are the kids? Where are all the Where are the kids out here to cut the grass?" I mean, I, I shouldn't have to do this. I'm fine doing it. I still enjoy it. It's good exercise at that because it's not a riding mower. It's a push mower. But I'm still like, man, where are the kids? Where are the kids out there that want to make a few bucks, whether it's money for gas, whether it's money just to go take a take their girlfriend or significant other out on a date? Where are the kids? That's what I want to know. Where are they? Where are the kids? Anyways, while I cut grass, sorry for the quick rant, uh, while I cut grass, I oftentimes think about a lot of different things when it takes you almost an hour to cut a yard and you're doing multiple yards in a day I, I find myself like my mind wanders anyways but it, it always seems to be and it's especially now with my let's ride podcast I always think about what could I talk about on the podcast what's unique what's different what is something that could really be interesting to a lot of people and they want to hear me talk about it so it's cutting grass over the weekend and all of a sudden, I started to think about the Steelers running game and just how awful it was last season in 2020. I mean, dead last, dead last. I mean, we're beating a dead horse at this point. Everyone knows that statistic. Yards per carry, yards per game, dead last, 32nd out of 32. It was bad. And so I started thinking about the running game. And I started thinking about the impact it will have on the Steelers if they can rejuvenate their running game. Whether it's Najee Harris, whether it's Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane, uh, Kalen Ballage, it doesn't matter who, that offensive line, if they can actually k- develop a running game, what would the ripple effect be for the offense? And so I'm cutting the grass and thinking, thinking oh, man, this could have a huge impact on Ben Roethlisberger. And that's where the headline came from for this podcast, why a Ben Roethlisberger renaissance could happen in 2021. He could be the renaissance man. And I say that based on the fact that if they can run the football, if they can effectively and efficiently run the football, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger could have a really good season. A really good season. I could have talked about this for 20 to 30 minutes and give you my opinions and what I think. And I I said, you know what, Jeff? You have some time. It's the weekend. Why don't you do a little mini Dave Schofield? Do a little mini Stat Geek. Look up some stats. Give yourself yourself some numbers to support this. So here's what I did. I went and I looked at every single one of Ben Roethlisberger's seasons. 
I looked at the win-loss total for that year. I looked at who the leading rusher was for that season. And then I looked at Ben Roethlisberger's statistics for that season. And when I looked at his statistics, I looked at four main categories. And these are the categories that I feel like are really important to not only any quarterback, but to the success of the offense. I looked at completion percentage. I looked at total yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. So we're going to go back through this, and this is going to bring back some memories when you hear some of these names. If you're old enough, you'll remember some of these names. Uh, I only listed running backs. It was the leading rusher. I only listed two running backs if they were over 400 yards. Okay, so if you had someone, let's say, um, like Isaac Redmond's first year when he made the team, I think he rushed for maybe 200 yards. Najee Davenport was another running back who I think he had a season where he maybe rushed for three-something In that regard, I did not put them down. They did not get over 400 yards. If they got over 400 yards, I listed both. So let's do this. Let's go back to 2004, and let's run through this, and then we're going to show – I'm going to take a look at some comparisons here. I'm going to take a look at some overall general numbers for Roethlisberger, and then we're going to connect some dots and see how important it is maybe to have a rusher run for over 1,000 yards. Okay, let's do this. So back in 2004, Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year – they finished 15-1, and one, legendary year. We all know that. The Steelers had two rushers that really came close to 1,000 yards. Jerome Bettis rushed for 940. And Deuce Staley, yeah, Deuce Staley, the one year, the year that he had his best year with Pittsburgh, 830 yards rushing. They were the leading rushers on the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger finished the year with a 66.4% completion percentage, 2,621 yards, 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. 2005. Steelers finish 11 and 5. Willie Parker is the leading rusher with 1202 yards. Jerome Bettis had 368. That's not that's not over 400, but I had him listed here. Ben Roethlisberger 62.7% completion, 2385 yards, 17 touchdowns to 9 interceptions. 2006 they finish 8 and 8. Willie Parker rushes for 1494 yards. Roethlisberger under 60%. He's at 59.7 percent completion 3,513 yards which was a high for him at that time 18 touchdowns which was a career high at the time and a whopping 23 interceptions yes I'm sure a lot of us remember that season that was bad Uh, in 2007 they finished 10 and 6 Willie Parker rushes for 1,316 yards Roethlisberger finishes with 65.3 percent completion 3,153 32 touchdowns that's a career high at the time, and with 11 touchdowns. 2008, 12-4, Willie Parker, again, they didn't run the ball that effectively this season. Willie Parker had 791 yards. Mawelde Moore had 588. Roethlisberger was under 60%. Again, 59.9% completion, 3,301 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. 2009, Richard Mendenhall comes into the picture, 1,108 yards rushing. Roethlisberger finishes with 66.6% completion, 4,328 yards. That's a That was a career high at the time. 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. In 2010, Roethlisberger, I'm sorry, 12-4 record. Mendenhall, 1,273 yards. 
Roethlisberger finishes with 61.7% completion, 3,200 yards, 17 touchdowns to five interceptions. That five interceptions was a low, but remember, he didn't play a full season that year. 2011, 12-4, Mendenhall, only 928, uh, I'm sorry, Isaac Redman, 479 yards. Roethlisberger finishes with 63.2% completion, 4,077 yards, 21 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. 2012, 8-8, Jonathan Dwyer. Oh, gosh, this is a horrible year. Jonathan Dwyer, 623 yards. Isaac Redman, 410. Roethlisberger finishes with a 63.3% completion, 3,265 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. 2013, Le'Veon Bell's rookie year. They finish 8-8. Bell rushes for 860 yards, 64.2% completion, 4,261, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 2014, I know we're gaining on her. Bear with me. 11 and 5. This is 2014. Le'Veon Bell's breakout year. He has 1,361 yards rushing. Roethlisberger finishes with 67.1 completion percentage, 4,952 yards, 32 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. 32 touchdowns. That's impressive. 2015, they finished 10 and 6. D'Angelo Williams actually leads the team with 907 yards. Le'Veon Bell with 556. 68% completion for Roethlisberger, 3,938, 21 touchdowns, and 16 interceptions. In 2016, 11-5, Le'Ve- uh, Le'Veon Bell, 1,268 yards, 64.4% completion for Roethlisberger, 3,819, 29 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. 2017, Le'Veon Bell, 1,291 yards, 64.2% completion for Roethlisberger, 4,251 28 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. 2018, 9-6-1 record. I'm sorry, they were 13-3 in 2017. We all remember how that ended with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the divisional round. But 2018, 9-6-1, James Conner with 973 yards rushing, 67% completion, 5,129 yards, 34 touchdowns. That's a career high for Roethlisberger. 16 interceptions. I didn't count 2019. He only played in a game and a half. So we go to 2020. 12-4, 12 and 4, Connor rushes for 721, 65.6% completion, 3,803 yards, 33 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Whew! Good man, that's a lot of numbers. My head hurts, and I hope that you buried with me there. At least you heard some names. I don't expect you all to remember all those numbers. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. So I decided to take a look at these numbers and say, okay, here are the numbers. What do we what can we glean from this? What can we glean from these performances? In other words, when you look at these numbers, because again, I can talk about why I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers having a thousand yard rusher or an efficient running game can really lead to a Ben Roethlisberger renaissance until I'm blue in the face. But it's different when you have numbers to back it up. So during Ben Roethlisberger's career, there's been 11 playoff appearances. That's pretty impressive. I mean, you think about in 2004, they lost in the AFC Championship game. I don't want to talk about that. In 2005, they won the Super Bowl. 2007, uh, they lost in the wild card. 2008, they won a, they won the Super Bowl. 2010, they lost in the Super Bowl. 2011, they lost in the wild card round. 2014, they lost in the wild card round. 15, they lost in the divisional round. 2016, they lost in the AFC Championship game. 2017, lost in the divisional round. And we all know that in 2020, they lost in the wild card round. 
So 11 playoff appearances. He has had, Ben Roethlisberger's had eight seasons where he's had a 1,000-yard rusher. Eight seasons with a 1,000-yard rusher. In those eight seasons, only two seasons did the Steelers not make the playoffs. And that was in 2006 and in 2009. So when you're looking at the averages, when they have a rusher go for over 1,000 yards, they are more likely to make the playoffs than they are to miss the postseason. I have a lot of other stats here based on Roethlisberger and when he has a 1,000-yard rusher. We're going to dive into those, and we're going to compare those numbers to his career averages and see if we can figure some stuff out. We're going to see if we can figure some stuff out. Coming out of the break, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the importance of the offensive line and, and Matt Cannon and Adrian Clem getting this group together and finding a way to have an efficient running game again. And then we're also going to talk about some players that impressed after OTAs were concluded last week. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Let's Ride podcast. I'm your, I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Let's talk about these stats. Let's talk about Ben Roethlisberger and the potential renaissance that he could be having in 2021 if they can get the running game improved. Now, before the break, talked about how in the eight seasons that Ben Roethlisberger has had a 1,000-yard rusher, there's only been two years they didn't make the playoffs, 2006 and 2009. During that time, the Steelers averaged, in those eight seasons, they averaged 10.6 wins. That Anytime you're averaging double-digit wins in a 16-game season is impressive. But let's look at his specific numbers. In the eight seasons with a 1,000-yard rusher, he averaged 63.9% completion. That is almost exactly what his career percentage is. 64.4% is his career completion percentage. I do want to mention, though, that in the later part of his career, think from Todd Haley on, Roethlisberger's completion percentage is what it is, but it's not as if that number is indicative of the, I guess I should say it is indicative to the style of offense the Steelers have been running. Those short intermediate passes, those wide receiver screens, they all count towards inflating the completion percentage, but it is what it is. I'm not going to hide behind those numbers. Uh, He averaged, Roethlisberger averaged in those eight seasons 24.8 touchdowns, okay, 24.8 touchdowns per season. His career average is 23.2 touchdowns, so it's a tick above. Average interceptions during those eight seasons were 12 you have to remember he had that season with 23 interceptions. That was in 2006. And that 
if you look at the other numbers, if you were to remove 23, and I know you can't, I'm sure Dave Schofield's listening to this thinking, Jeff, you can't do that. That's not, that's not how statistics work. I understand that. But if you take that away, he would be well below his 11.8 career interceptions point or 11.8 career average for interceptions in a C in a or average per, um, per season. And I think that again, you're this is tough. This is tough to look at all these numbers and you look at the success and the playoff appearances because early in his career he had a tremendous defense. And then the defense definitely kind of fell off. You know, you're talking about after the Super Bowl in 2010, you had those legendary players start to retire or leave. And they had those back-to-back eight and eight seasons where it was kind of figuring out what this team was doing moving forward. There's a lot of moving parts here. But the one thing I want to really drive home, the one thing I really want to drive home here is Roethlisberger, if you watched last season and you you kept an open mind coming into 2021, I understand how it ended. I know that he turned the ball over a lot towards the end of the season. I understand that Roethlisberger had four interceptions in the playoff loss to the Cleveland Browns in the wildcard round. I understand all of that. What I am saying is if the Steelers can run the football, I feel that you'll see more of the 11-0 Roethlisberger. He won't have the pressure on him. He won't feel like he has to do it all. I honestly don't think that Ben Roethlisberger goes into a season and says, I want to throw the ball 50 times a game. I don't think that he says that. I feel that Roethlisberger gets on the field, and when he sees that the, the, the offense cannot move the football on the ground, that it is literally like banging their head against a wall, He says to himself, okay, I'll do it myself. I'm going to do it. I'll just do it all by myself. That's the way I feel like Roethlisberger approaches the game. He's going to go with the game plan. We all know how horrible Randy Feetner's game plans were. He's going to go with the game plan, and then when it doesn't work, he says, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it all by myself. And he's comfortable in that scenario. He's done it for a long time. But when you look back at specific seasons, not number-wise, okay, because numbers are – I feel like you can kind of paint a narrative with statistics. I've always felt that way. When you look back at early in his career, boy, they ran the ball so well. And it took pressure off of a very young Ben Roethlisberger. Think back to 2014, 2015 being primary years. I mean, you could go all the way to 2016 and 2017, that the years where the killer bees were prominent, Roethlisberger, he had great numbers. But he also could hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell, and he knew that Le'Veon Bell was going to get the job done. He could, he knew that Antonio Brown was going to make plays when he put it up there, but it just changed everything. You go back to 2018 when James Conner took over, and yes, he rushed for 973 yards, but it just felt so disjointed to watch Roethlisberger just throwing the ball so many times. They they just felt like they didn't have to run the ball. I, I don't know what the thought process was, but if they can run the football, this could be the year that you see more of the early career Roethlisberger, a quarterback that can manage the game. And Roethlisberger did that early in his career. He managed the game. He made plays when they presented themselves. And that's the only question he would have to answer is if they can run the ball well and they can set up third and manageable almost on a regular basis, can Roethlisberger make the plays when necessary? I still think he can. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of national pundits. There's even a lot of local media that don't think he has it anymore. 
They don't think that he can get it done. They think that there's something, maybe his arm is weak. Whatever the case is, I believe that if the Steelers, you combine it with Adrian Clem, the new offensive line coach, he's not new to the Steelers, but he's the new offensive line coach. He was an assistant under Sean Surrett for two seasons. Everything you've heard coming from the locker room, coming from players, is he has been preaching aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Chooks Okorafor spoke to the media last week, the last week of OTAs. We're going to talk about that in a second. He talked about how last season they were teaching to basically shuffle, shuffle, you know, move your guy to a little, a little bit left, a little bit right. Clearly, it didn't work. Adrian Clem's coming in here, and he's coming in. It reminds me of Clubber Lang from Rocky Three. When Clubber Lang, when they say, what's your prediction, Clubber? And he looks at the camera and just says, pain. That's, that's what I think of when I think of Adrian Clem. Everything they say is he's aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Maybe that's what this offensive line needs. And let's talk about that offensive line for a second. Everyone's questioning it. I understand it. There's a lot of question marks. No Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, Matt Filer's gone. Marquise Pouncey's retired. Uh, you took at the right tackle was obviously Chukes for He's going to the left. Zach Banner's going to be on the right. Kevin Dotson's going to be a starter. Holy cow, who's going to be the center? So there's a lot of questions there. But the one thing that I look at that offensive line, the only player that I look on that offensive line, and this includes if, you know, if Kendrick Green does win the center job, only Chukes for do I question and say, how's his run blocking? If we know anything about Zach Banner, it's he can run block. When he was the eligible tight end for all those seasons, that's all he did was run block. He can run block. You might want to question his pass blocking. I feel like Chooks Okorafor is better at pass pro than run blocking. They kind of offset each other. But Kevin Dotson's a road grader. He's someone that wants to go downhill. He wants to pancake people. I still feel like DeCastro is a really good run blocker when given the chance. He's always been that very athletic pooling guard that gets in the way. I'll never forget those collisions he used to have with Vontez Perfect when the Steelers played the Bengals. I still think he can get the get the job done. Kendrick Green is a very physical and very athletic center if he can win the job. And I think B.J. Finney is still going to be able to hold his own in regards to being the center if he is called upon to do that early in the season. Then you throw in Matt Canada. Matt Canada's offenses have always been creative in, cre- in, in creating the running game. And I say that intentionally. Matt Canada will take what he has and he will actually say, okay, how can I really manufacture a running game here? Is it going to be with a lot of pre-snap movement, a lot of shifting, a lot of motion? Possibly. Very well could. If you think back to 2020, early in the season, we're talking maybe the first six games, we saw a lot of that from the Pittsburgh Steelers and it was effective. They were running the ball very well. They were in the top 10 in the league in rushing, and then it just stopped. So we'll see what that does. But if the Steelers can run the ball, and maybe that's my next deep dive here, is to look at last season. I got, I'm going to have to go back and watch the film or lean on someone like Jeffrey Benedict who watches a lot of film and try to pinpoint what was the week that the Steelers just stopped doing the pre-snap stuff. They weren't running the motions. They weren't doing play action. When did that stop? And then I'll look at the numbers there and see for Roethlisberger, you know, what did it look like? If the Steelers can keep Roethlisberger to around 25 to 30 attempts a game, not having to go to 40, not having to go to 50, which did happen last season, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be balanced. I think they're going to be out. That means they're running the ball well. I think that means the offensive line's doing their job. Najee Harris and company are doing their job. It could lead to a renaissance for Ben Roethlisberger when he doesn't have to do it all 
And when he has a thousand yard rusher, the statistics show he does pretty well. He does pretty well. They make the playoffs most years, and he is he's doing his job as the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So take that for what it's worth. I do want to finish this show up with some talk about OTAs. I did a, an OTA recap last Monday. They were two weeks, two uh, they were two thirds of the way done. They're finished with OTAs. Next, coming up this week, we have mandatory minicamps. There's going to be some news there. And I was looking on Instagram, actually, my personal page, and I saw Sports Illustrated put out a players who impressed at OTAs. Now, this is very subjective, uh, but at the same time, I do know that the writers, the Sports Illustrated fans only page, they do have some writers that have credentials that are there. And they're also probably leaning on what the media are putting out there and what they think. And yeah, people like Mark Caballi of The Athletic and Jerry Dulac of The Post-Gazette, Ray Fittipaldo of The Post-Gazette, Brian Batko, uh, Chris Adamski, all these people that are there watching live, they're going to take what they're saying and they're going to say, okay, who are the players that really impressed during OTAs? Now, before we get started, before you say anything, before you even think it, I know that it's OTAs, I know it's football and shorts, but still, these are the players that even in that setting, turn some heads and possibly kind of maybe got the coaches thinking, hey, it's a good first impression. Good first impressions are important for a lot of these players. Let's go down the list. I don't think this list is in any particular order, but at the same time, I'm just going to read it the way it's listed. So the first player listed is quarterback Dwayne Haskins Dwayne Haskins he got a big pump up from Ben Roethlisberger when Roethlisberger made the he talked about his throwing motion being almost effortless he talked about being able to throw the football through a car wash and not getting it wet Um, every video that I saw of Dwayne Haskins look good arm strength has never been a question for him it's whether he can read the defense whether he can stay focused we'll have to see wide receiver Anthony Johnson who uh he is a he was a reserve contract player. He impressed, and he had a lot of opportunities. The first week, none of the starting receivers were there. He was one of the players that was there. So, hey, that's a great chance to put your best foot forward. See how it goes. Show the coaches what you can do when Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Ray Ray McLeod, James, when they're not there, when James Washington is not there, that's when someone like Anthony Johnson can make a name for himself. Here's another player. Heard a lot about him. Callan Ballage, running back. He was picked up this offseason. Uh, he and Arthur Millette were two players that were signed that no one really talks about. I've talked about Arthur Millette a lot on my podcast. Um, we've done breakdowns of him. Ballage was just kind of like, a, everyone's like, oh, it's just another guy. Everything you're hearing from OTAs is that he's not just another guy. He is a player that could push someone off the roster, whether that's Jalen Samuels, whether it's Benny Snell. I don't know. I don't know, but that's what every, the, the reports on Ballage are very, very good in the early portions of the offseason. Trey Norwood, seventh-round draft pick out of Oklahoma, defensive back. He, I, I, I don't know what's going on with him. He's doing a great job. I know he posted a picture of himself with a football in his hands running. It typically means that he had an interception, just so you know. Um, They're saying he looks great, and he's very versatile, can play multiple positions. Trey Norwood's doing a good job. Mark Gilbert, another defensive back. He was a – he's a – undrafted free agent doing a good job so also as another undrafted rookie free agent lamont wade safety out of penn state he was turning some heads this one surprised me actually the next two surprised me jc hasnauer and rashad coward hasnauer at center coward at guard um i didn't no one's talking about jc hasnauer i i certainly am not based on the fact that 
I don't think he has a shot. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. He does have flexibility, can play guard and center, both on the interior. And Rashad Coward's a player that the Steelers picked up from the Bears. He played last season with the Bears. Former defensive lineman turned into an offensive lineman. Maybe he could be some quality depth. There's going to be a battle there on the interior. And Dave Schofield, want to plug this article, wrote an article about is the depth at guard an issue. And he talked about a lot of these players in there. Two players left that impressed. Everyone's favorite punter, big press, Presley Harvin. He impressed with his big leg. Uh, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, my gosh, you all know this. My ride or die crew knows I can, I, I'm really hoping he does well. And lastly, I think this is expected, but James Pierre, defensive back, he was the last player listed as a player who impressed at OTAs. So there's there's a good list. I thought it was a good list. It was some new names out there. You talk about names like Hassenauer, Coward, Wade, Gilbert. Um, it's good to know that some of these players are doing well in these settings, but there's a lot, a lot to go. Mandatory minicamp is the next step. Okorafor said this in his uh, time with reporters this week. He said, look, we're not going to know anything about ourselves, about this offensive line, about the offense, until we're actually blocking someone else. And in OTAs, they're not. They're going against pads. But pad, like coaches you know, are holding the pads, and they're just moving them and, and getting positioned. They're going over the fundamentals. They're go- doing what they call indie, individual work, and they're, they're building the foundation. Mandatory minicamp is the next step. After minicamp, which I believe is the 15th, 15th to the 17th of June, the Steelers will have about a month off before they report to training camp. I believe they'll be reporting to training camp around July 21st. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that is at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. And then everything gets kicked off. And, and the dog days of summer are over. And the new season is ramping up. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I hope you were able to tolerate all those numbers. I know Ben Roethlisberger's played a long time. But hopefully you understand the importance of the Steelers having a running game. And even a rusher that rushes for over 1,000 yards. They haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since all the way back to 2017 think about that think about that all right folks that does it for me i'm gonna be back on wednesday actually tuesday night tuesday night join me live on the locker room app wherever you listen or whatever phone you have ios android download the free locker room app create a free account follow me at j hartman h-a-r-t-m-a-n underscore p-i-t that's the same as my twitter handle and Tuesdays, typically around 7.30 p.m., we talk about the Steelers, and then that gets published as a podcast on Wednesday. So check it out. I hope I hear from you. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers. anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming 
offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.